This is Travel Writers Radio, insightful stories from Australia and the world to inform, entertain and inspire your wanderlust. Welcome to Travel Writers Radio podcast. I'm Kirsty Bedford, journalist, travel writer and editor. And I'm Belinda Jackson, author, travel journalist and columnist, and we're your weekly co-hosts. Every week, we'll bring you inspirational travel stories from Australia and the world, giving you first-hand perspectives of places you can visit and the cultures that make each destination so rich. As well as insightful and entertaining interviews, we'll also be bringing you a travel tip each week. But before we do that, tell us about your week, Kirst, because it's been a pretty interesting one. It has been. I've just come back from Queenstown on New Zealand's South Island. I work for Signature Media, which publishes Signature Luxury Travel and Style and Vacations and Travel magazines. And the last week I went on assignment to check out the newly renovated Oaks Queenstown Shores Resort. That's um, an amazing property. It's right on the shore of Lake Wakatipu. Um, and it's a pretty incredible time of year to visit, actually, because it's even though it's off-season, so you're not getting a huge amount of snow at the moment, but you get these amazing orange and reds of the autumn and the mountains snow-capped, which is so pretty. And while I was there, we did some pretty amazing things, and I met some great locals who were doing some really exceptional things, like Vaughan Maybe. He's a chef from three Michelin... He was from three Michelin-starred restaurant Noma in Denmark, which some people might know, but was voted best restaurant in the world five times, and he now heads Amersfield Winery, and we went there for a wine masterclass, but it actually ended up being one of the most amazing food experiences of my life, so that was surprising and uh, really nice. He creates dishes that are literally like works of art on the plate, and the flavours are amazing, and he said it's because he uses produce endemic to New Zealand. So they're flavours that you won't experience anywhere else in the world. Exactly. So things you can taste you taste things that you just you just literally have never tasted before and we'll put a link in the show notes to my story when it's online at vacations and travel magazine but let's move on to our travel tip of the week what great tip do you have for us this week Belle? well my tip is about what's possibly your worst travel nightmare which is losing your phone while you're overseas and yes this did happen to me recently in a pub in, in London at lunchtime and I could not get a sim card for my Australian number which meant that I could not access anything through my phone. Terrifying, but true. And the point is, if you've got two-step authentication for such things as accessing your online banking, you can't get those codes if your phone is lost or stolen. So if you lose your phone, the phone provider actually suggested to me that you travel with a blank Australian SIM card that you can pop into your replacement phone. And also keep in mind that in central London at the moment, a phone is stolen every six minutes. That is 248 phones a day, Kirst. Gosh. So other than travelling with a blank Australian SIM card, I guess the key thing is just to literally keep your phone on your body at all times. Absolutely, absolutely. Phone theft is rife and it's a very polished operation there. I traced my phone to Romania within 24 hours of its theft. Unbelievable. That's such great advice, Belle. Right, let's get on to our interviews this week. We're taking you to the Australian ski fields and to India for a transformational travel experience. And you're going to hear a new voice today. Alastair Leith is a movie buff and our entertainment journalist. In his first episode for Travel Writers Radio podcast, he's taking us to Italy to the film locations you'll see in Book Club, the next chapter, which stars Jane Fonda and Diane Keaton. But first up, 
We're back home where the Australian ski season kicks off this coming long weekend and Belle is chatting with Emily Smith of Vale Resorts International about what's new at Hotham Alpine Resort and its sister property Falls Creek in northern Victoria. Emily, thanks so much for joining Travel Riders Radio. You're up in Hotham at the moment, aren't you? I am, and thank you so much for having me. But yes, I'm looking out the window, uh, looking at the village chairlift here and getting excited for the winter ahead. Fantastic. What's the weather like today? We're just about to open for the the upcoming Australian ski season. How has it been in the run-up to the opening weekend? We have had like some really consistent snowfalls throughout May, um, probably about four good storm fronts that have come through. It has been a little bit warmer this week, so we have lost some of the snow that we made um, and have been preparing with, but we're seeing another system coming through next weekend. So it's, um, it's cold and crisp today, and as I said, we've had a great May coming in, so we're just, um, yeah, we're looking forward to the next front at the moment. Can you actually forecast what the snow is going to be like for the opening on the 10th? Give us a rough idea of how June is is looking for the month, or is that too much of a a prediction? It's very, very hard to to see too far out. We kind of, we keep our eyes on sort of a two-week forecast and look at that, but the models do change as we get closer to when the, um, the events are meant to be happening. We, for this long weekend, we're not looking like we're going to have much for that official opening day on the Saturday, but what I always feel like opening weekend is more about is getting ready for the ski season, maybe checking your gear, looking at what, what you know, fresh updates you need. And then if you're coming to the mountain, it's really about catching up with all of your friends ahead of the season, seeing what everyone's been doing for the summer, if people have been overseas. And there's plenty of other activities off snow that you can get involved with as well. And then from a snowfall point of view, I was just having a look at the forecast and Saturday night of the long weekend is looking like we we might see some snow starting to fall and that would continue through Sunday and Monday. So we've all got our fingers crossed for that one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's just the dream, isn't it? And that's in that's in Hotham in Victoria, but you're actually part of Vale Resorts, which which also owns uh, Falls Creek, not far away, and then over the border in Perisher as well. Yeah, so we're part of uh, the Vale Resorts Network, which is uh, sort of a US company based um, out of North America, uh, Vale, they are in Whistler Blackcomb in Canada. And then, yeah, here in Australia, it's Perisher Falls and Hotham. So it's a nice, it's a nice team to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're drawing on experience, as you say, from places like, um, you know, they've got Park City in Utah, which is, which is really exciting. And then, um, and then also, uh, some of the Japanese resorts as well. They've also got Hokuba Valley in Japan, haven't they? We, we don't own Hakuba, but we've partnered with them for the Epic Pass. So, oh. uh, our pass holders can benefit from that relationship by skiing, um, skiing over in Hakuba in the Northern Hemisphere season. So how does that pass work? So the Epic Australia Pass is the, the key pass that we sell here in Australia. It gives you unlimited access to Perisher, Falls Creek and Hotham for our season. And then you benefit from either the Vale Resorts Network over over in North America or our partner resorts as well. So you can get up to various number of days at Park City, Whistler, Vale, and then as, as you said, Hakuba in Japan as well. So it's 
it's a great offering if you want to ski in Australia and then plan a holiday for the Northern Hemisphere season because it does give you access to some of those resorts. And I think some people do that too, don't they? They just chase the snow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that head over. Uh, Whistler's obviously really popular with Australians, but then it does make them look at, you know, what other resorts they could go to each time. We've got some Californian resorts in Heavenly and uh, down at Tahoe, so Kirkwood as well. So there's, yeah, there's so many options. I think we were recently at the Snow Travel Expo and talking to people, one of the hardest things is actually deciding where you want to go because you have so many options. You Obviously, you wouldn't be working where you are if you weren't a, a snow fan. So like this, I mean, this must be a dream job for you then, isn't it? You know, spending the season in Hotham. Yeah, absolutely. I am a, a lifelong Hotham skier. So, and I actually worked up here when I was sort of 18 in my gap year. And then while I was at uni as much as possible um, and have been lucky enough to have you know, worked with Oakley um, in the snow marketing position in my early earlier career and then to kind of come full circle and be working up here in the marketing role is, yeah, absolutely amazing. I'm so excited. I've got two young kids as well. So, you know, hoping to share my passion for the snow with them and, and get them ripping around the mountain. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. Oh, how exciting. So at, um, at Hotham, what's new, uh, what's new on the mountain this year? What, uh, you know, some, some people are, are there, as you say, like yourself, who are, who, you know, visit regularly. And so they know they can see changes happening in different runs and, and also, you know, on the little upper ski action as well. So what can, what should skiers keep an eye out for that's new on mountain this year? Yeah, I think one of the things I'm most excited about is actually for opening weekend. We've recently removed uh, one of our chairlifts. It was actually the first chairlift that was ever installed at Mount Hotham and it's it's had a long life, but it was sort of reached the end of its compliance in about 2018 and that was the last time that the chairlift actually turned. So our uh, lift operations crew have been really busy all summer finishing the removal of that chairlift, which, you know, people go, oh, but you're removing a chairlift. And I'm like, well, it wasn't able to turn anymore. And by actually taking out those pylons, we're opening up that terrain um, and we'll be able to groom around there a lot better, especially kind of the lower section of that run. So we're excited to see kind of the changes in that area because we've removed the chair. And the other exciting thing about that is we're actually auctioning off the chairs this opening weekend. So people can actually bid for a piece of Hotham history, which is exciting. I know I'll definitely be bidding for a chair. <laughs> uh, we're working with Castoring Real Estate, who are very prominent up here to run that auction, as well as having an online component for people that can't make it up opening weekend. So twofold. And then finally, all of the money raised from that auction will be going to charity through our Epic Promise Foundation, which is a great initiative. And our focus for this is giving back to local communities. So definitely focusing on environment, community and youth in the Northeast Victorian region. And we've had grant applications open for that. So we're really looking forward to, you know, being able to give back to the community as well through that. So that's super exciting. Can I just ask you, yeah. if you do get one of those chairs, what, what are you going to do with it? 
Well, people will, I think, you know, it, it is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. I know I've heard talk of people wanting to, to have them in their fire pits, you know, around the fire pits in of their course. backyard. <laughs> people might hang them in their living room or in their lodge. Um, we, we're hanging on to a few that we'll put up around the resort next summer. Great Instagram photo opportunities. Absolutely. As well. Um, yeah, it's, surprising you know it's just one of those things people are like oh you can never get a chairlift so <laughs> would love to grab one um yeah oh, that's so that's so funny I imagine yeah I imagine they would be great in in some of the 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 bars and restaurants around uh, around the area and speaking of which that takes us to the action off snow um are there any new developments new restaurants i always love i am a snow player and appreciator um but i i always do love a little bit of after ski action as well you know and not just hot chocolate so what's happening and hotham and it is and anything new at falls as well yeah, I mean, absolutely. Who doesn't love a good apres session? So we've, um, we've got the bird at the bottom of the summit on Hotham, which the deck is amazing and, and great for, you know, that the apres ski session and Epic Australia pass holders get 15% off there. So, you know, that's always good as well. Um, we've got Zerkies, which is again, one of the institutions up here. And absolutely. Yeah, they've got a new new chef starting this season in Steph Graham, who comes from Donovan's in Melbourne. So really excited to see what she's going to bring to the table at Zerky's. Oh, um, whatever she brings, it'll be delicious. Absolutely. And then Miss Mary's, another one that has amazing views over the valley. They've been expanding and renovating all summer. So that's going to be, you know, just great for them to open up a little bit more space. And then down at the Big D, we have a great cafe in Frankie's Cafe and they've done the same. They've been working all summer, renovating, refreshing the menu. And um, they're also going to be high, uh, hosting silent discos for kids and parents throughout the season as well. So something that'll be great for kind of that sort of, you know, teenagers, 13-year-olds to get involved with you know, after skiing as well. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, because everybody's exhausted after a day on the snow. You know, it is it is, it is exhausting no matter how little they are. And I don't know how old yours are, but then if you're taking, uh, if you're taking kids up onto uh, ski this year, are there any developments with them or new ski schools or anything like that that, that are happening for are, the younger yeah, skiers? Great, great question. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we've actually extended our kids club and Mighty Mites, which Mighty Mites is our three to six year old program and kids club is seven to 14 year olds, um, bringing back all day lessons for those age groups, which we haven't run for the past couple of years. So with Hotham, the beginner and kids area is actually slightly down the road from the main Hotham Central Resort. So offering those full day lessons, I think is great for parents because they're able to drop the kids off. They've got more time for themselves to yeah. spend out on the slopes they're not having to rush back for that kind of 12 30 pickup so yeah that's um i think going to be really really well received by our guests and as a parent i know i'm excited to to be able to have my kids in the full day lessons as well yeah absolutely and especially you know if you're a very occasional skier like me really you know by 12 30 you're only just getting your back into your stride you know after if you've had a if you've had a long break from um from the slopes which a lot of people you know have if they missed skiing over the COVID years and then you know last year might not have been you know that was a still we were all connecting with friends and family so I 
think for a lot of people, it'll be their first time back up in the snow for a few years. And what a great uh, time to to be kicking in for the Australian winter. I think um, I'm, I'm hoping that you have great snow and some beautiful open days as well, because there is nothing better than skiing under a under a blue sky. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I think especially that spring skiing when the snow is soft and, and here at Hotham, our village sits atop of the mountain. So the views are, you know, I'm just looking out my window at the, at the moment and they're beautiful and they're beautiful in summer, but even more so in winter. So yeah, it's great. Oh, fantastic. Okay. I'm sure that uh, I can't wait to go up and uh, I'm sure that most of our listeners can't either. Emily, is there anywhere that you can camp in the snow up around Hotham? Uh, yeah, there actually is. We've got a great business up here called Alpine Nature Experience that really take your glamping experience to a new level with these amazing tents that they set up out in the snow. And they've actually got these new hype domes that um, they've been setting up this summer and they give you a 360 degree view of the stars. So I've been seeing some photos of the build and they look amazing. They also offer fondue dinners out in their heated teepee. So you do a snowshoe trek out there and yeah, and you can choose to stay the night. So it's a pretty, pretty different experience and definitely one I think people should put on their hit list for the winter. Absolutely. I reckon that's on my bucket list. Oh, I would love to do it. Yeah, especially with the fondue. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the main reason I do it, but you know, that's a that's a no. And they, yeah, the fondue and also the glue vine as well. Jeff, who runs it, is actually French, so he knows what he's doing. And um, yeah, the the experience I think is just another level. Oh, that just gets better. I can't think of anything better. Okay, thanks for that, Emily. Thanks so much for your time. It was lovely to have you give us a little update just ahead of the ski season, which kicks off uh, for the Queen's birthday long weekend and runs until, of course, late September and, fingers crossed, early October. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. That was Belinda Jackson with Emily Smith about the opening weekend for the ski season at Hotham Alpine Resort and Falls Creek. Thanks for listening to Travel Writers Radio podcast. Please subscribe at travelwritersradio.com and follow Travel Writers Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Next up, we're off to India. Kirsty Bedford caught up with Joe Langhorn of Soulful Escapes about the growing trend of transformational travel. She explains why India tops the list for those seeking travel that will change your life. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hi, Kirsty. Thanks for having me. Let's start by just tell us a little bit about how you actually got into travel. So I had wanted to get into travel when I left school um, and I was strongly encouraged by my family not to pursue that and to take myself off to university, which I did. But as soon as I finished university, I I just took a job that would help me earn enough money to go travelling. So I travelled a bit overseas, did the UK, Europe trip that most Australians tend to do. And then when I returned, I was looking for a a start in a career. I was in my mid-20s and I fell into a job with one of Australia's largest travel retailers, which was just the best place for me. They, They trained you in all aspects of travel and I ended up, I thought I would only be there for a couple of years and I ended up being in and out of that company for about 25 years. Held lots of different roles in, in uh, within that organisation. So I was a travel consultant, I managed travel agencies, I trained travel agents, but I always sort of tended to end up in the leadership, management, mentoring, coaching roles, but always within the travel industry. It's just been a passion of mine since I since as long as I can remember. 
And so is that the fact that you were particularly interested in that and that sort of leadership mentorship role, is that um, clearly sort of why and what made you want to get involved more in transformational travel? Yeah, I think it was probably around, I was running my own travel business at this stage. I had my own uh, I guess what you call a home-based travel agency. I had a huge repeat and referral clientele base, but I was also sort of missing that side, this coaching side of me. And I actually went off and did some some further study and qualifications in life coaching. And I had this sort of small life coaching business on the side where I was coaching women, uh, mainly women in their 30s, 40s, who were making some kind of life change. And I was doing this alongside uh, my travel business. But at the same time, in my travel business, I was often being invited on trips overseas, and these would be predominantly women traveling together. And I just started to notice this theme of women traveling together, how strongly they bonded, how well they connected. And it was just a bit of an interest for me. So I had these two things kind of running at the same time and was looking for a way to combine them. I guess. So is the area, the genre of sort of transformational travel something that's emerged over time? Do you think it's quite new or do you think it's something that's always been around but it's just that people, you know, weren't sort of didn't sort of name it or realise that it was actually transformation yeah. travel at the time? That's a really good question. I I think the act of traveling is transformational. To leave your home, to travel to another country, to experience new food, new culture, new religion, meet new people, you can't come home the same. It changes you. And that's what I love about travel is I love learning and I love that personal growth side to life. And I just feel that every time I travel, that expands and there's always something new to learn. So, yes, travel's been around forever. I do think we've coined that phrase a little bit probably in the last five to ten years, but I definitely, in in some of the trips that I've led, I do see change in people when they go. They come back different. They're, it's not, And it's maybe not intentional. They're maybe not going looking for that, but they are not the same. And certain destinations bring that out in you more than others. I think the first time I really experienced that for myself was when I travelled to Africa. I just came home different. I looked at the world differently. I looked at people differently. I looked at the way we accumulate things and possessions differently. Everything about my perception changed after traveling to Africa. And with your trips, particularly um, with India, what, what what is it that you think makes India in particular um, a mm. place that, that helps people really transform? India, there is a saying in India that you don't choose to travel to India, India chooses you. And I really believe that after being there nine times, I've just returned from my ninth trip a few months ago. And India is a place, and there's actually a really good quote from that movie, The Best Marigold Hotel. And that quote is, all of life is here. And I think that's very true for India. You see everything, you see all walks of life, you experience so much vibrancy and colour. It's chaotic, but with that chaos, there's a flow. And there is just this deep spirituality that runs through the country that infiltrates all parts of life, from the way you wake up in the morning to rituals that you would perform before breakfast in your own home, um, to how you work and how you how you go about your day, how you interact with your friends, the food you eat. It's just embedded throughout their culture. So there's just, for me, something very special about India. 
it wakens your senses. It sort of opens you up. It sort of challenges you. It challenges your thoughts and beliefs about a lot of things. And, you know, it's a place that I never, ever really had a strong intention to travel to. And after that first trip, I just saw this opportunity for giving people this time to step outside of their own lives and go somewhere where the country changes you just as much as the experience of traveling itself. So what, what are some of the places that people can visit maybe or that you take people to that and some of the either places um, and or experiences that you think really transform people's lives? Well, it's funny because when I was starting to plan my tours, I was thinking, you know, there needs to be a kind of theme that runs through them. And I use the three words in planning these trips, spirit, love, and joy. So each of my tours are structured around those three key words. And I choose destinations that give those experiences. So if you were looking for that spiritual experience in India, there's a couple of beautiful places. Um, you might go to the Golden Temple in Amritsar, which is the home of the secret religion and that whole culture and religion is based around service and everybody being equal and it's one of the most inclusive religions it's beautiful to experience and the golden temple itself is this magnificent temple that hundreds of thousands of people visit every you know every day it's just constant stream of people coming in and out of there so you walk into this and you can't help but be absorbed you can volunteer there to cook for people there's a free meal on 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 offer for everybody every 20 minutes there's people coming in, eating, leaving, next group come in. And you could have doctors sitting next to lawyers, sitting next to teachers, sitting next to the average person in the street. It's just a, it's a really life-changing experience. And I guess another place from that spiritual perspective would be Varanasi, where um, you, you go to participate and watch in the arti ceremonies, which happen on the Ganges every evening. And that's music and lights, and it's an actual ritual that is performed every night and it's just it absorbs into your skin it's just incredible and it's such a different place to anything we would ever experience in Australia it's it's a bit of a challenging place it, it's quite confronting it's very busy and it is this place where Indians will take their loved ones to be cremated so you you do have quite confronting experiences and see some quite confronting things when you're there then if you look at the love perspective there's so many beautiful places in India from the nature from tiger reserves from beautiful wellness retreats and yoga there's just an abundance of opportunity for you to to practice that self-care and self-love and to really get back to nature and back to basics and joy I mean the whole country for me is joy I find myself sitting in tuk-tuks and taxis with a big smile on my face I'm sitting in four lanes of traffic with 10 lanes in that four and you know there's a chaos and it's just you know horns beeping and a beeping horn in India doesn't mean get out of my way it means look out I'm coming I'm just letting you know and I find myself just with a constant smile on my face everyone's wearing vibrant colors and you know there's just they have a philosophy in India that guest a guest is a god and they treat you so well and they so want you to come into their world and be a part of it and get to know it 
Yeah, you can tell I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, absolutely, and 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 I'm sure that. So, when, when people come back from these sorts of journeys, do they say mm. to you that they they mm. literally transform or change their lives, or is it more about that the transformation happens, um, you know, and while they're while they're there, and then that yeah. sort of changes the way they see the world? I see both. I have been on um, and on my tours. I tend to put a coaching element into the tour. There's we might do meditation sessions. We do workshops throughout the trip. So you're having a travel experience, but at the same time, you may be having the experience that you would have, say, in a retreat or something like that. But we're on the move seeing the country. And I've seen women change in the course of 12 days. Um, I've seen women come with, I can remember one particular tour, I had a mother and daughter and they had lost their husband and father just six months prior. And I saw these women come who were quite scared. One, The mother in particular was quite intimidated by India and a little bit nervous and by the end of that trip, I just saw this confident woman walk away and she'd had this experience where she'd had this opportunity to to grieve, but also to explore sides of herself that she hadn't you know, hadn't had that opportunity to do in the past. And then I get calls from people. I had an email recently from a lady who said to me that is still the best experience I have ever had. I came back, I made some changes in my work life. Um, and you know, it's just this recognition. I think for women, it, it gives them the opportunity to sometimes step outside of their own life and look at it from a, a helicopter view, looking down and just sort of assess where they're at. And, you know, we don't often take that time. And when you go somewhere like India, you're forced into the present moment right there, right then. The, you can't be thinking about what's happening tomorrow when you're tr- crossing 10 lanes of traffic. <laughs> you, are, you are right there in the moment and India does that to you. So yeah. I've seen it happen there and when people return, for sure. Amazing. It's it's uh, It certainly sounds like a, a fantastic experience. So where can people find you if they want to look at doing a transformational travel experience themselves? So Soulful Escapes com.au and we're currently working on a, a new tour for March in 2024 where we'll take 10 to 12 women on a 12-night opportunity to experience India and have a transformational learning. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Joe. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. That was Joe Langhorn of Soulful Escapes with Kirsty Bedford talking about how travel can change you. For our last interview this week, Alastair Leith takes us to the Italian film locations that feature in the new movie sequel, Book Club, The Next Chapter. Hello, you've reached the home of the retired and gifted. Where are you? I'm in a church. What? Are you serious? We're looking for a venue for the wedding. You are going to get married in a church? I'm shocked you didn't burst into flames as you crossed the threshold. Have you ever wanted to eat, pray, love yourself away into the delicacies of Italian cuisine? Wanting to grab your gaggle of closest gal pals and set off on the adventure of a lifetime through Italy's vast vineyards for one last girl's trip before you get married? Jane Fonda, Diane Keaton, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steenbergen travel to Italy in the brand new film, The Book Club, The Next Chapter. All of our leading ladies are in the prime of their lives and are setting out for a girl's trip that they never had. While things on the trip don't exactly go to plan, the result is a beautiful and intimate world through Italy, looking at food, fashion and some of the most sought-after tourist spots. 
today we'll be going through some of those spots, including the hotels where they stayed, some of the big tourist areas, and of course, the fabulous food. <laughs> to live in Arthur. Oh, oh, thank you. I think we should all go to Italy. Italy? Whoa. We'll make it Viv's bachelorette. A bachelorette trip? What are we doing? I think it's very romantic. But it's also nuts. <laughs> The four leading ladies stayed in the panoramic terraces of the Grand Hotel Plaza in the centre of Rome. The 40-room property features their own exclusive terrace in each room where you can view some of the many sides of the city. It's also a fabulous place to have breakfast or drinks with a stunning view. The hotel has a rich history with the current structure being built in 1834 in the antique Palazzo Lozano. The hotel offers a selection of standard rooms, family rooms, family suites, superior rooms and superior suites. The rooms showcased in the film were the superior suites, really shining a spotlight on the luxury and elegance the five-star hotel offers its guests. Inside the hotel, the lobby bar is where Sharon, the character played by Candace Bergen, meets the American for the very first time. The plush interior and meticulously detailed bar, complete with booths and fabulous cocktails, is the ultimate night in. There is one thing that I did notice. The exterior of the hotel does appear to be in Venice, complete with a canal entrance scene. The Grand Hotel Plaza in Rome was used for the interior of the hotel. When you're ready to leave your room and get ready for some shopping, there is no better place than the Via dei Coronari, a beautifully cobbled street that runs from the top of the Piazza Navona to the Ponte St. Angelo. The historic street is where the girls find the store of the wedding dress designer. If you've seen the movie, you know this fantastic scene featuring a bunch of local designer dresses and showcasing some of the latest fashion on these amazing women. If that's not your thing, keep traveling down the street. Here you'll find the Gelateria del Teatro. It is the perfect place to stop for a well-deserved gelato treat. Another essential to your holiday shopping is the Essenzialmente Laura to purchase a bottle of Rome-inspired perfume. Now, this has strong hints of jasmine and I'm told is definitely a must-have. Throughout the alleys, there are also art galleries, antique stores and, of course, plenty of cafes and bars. One day really isn't enough to get everything in. I would definitely recommend walking slowly and enjoying as much coffee and gelato as you possibly can. If majestic sights are on your wish list, St. Paul's Church in Rome has its within the walls display that will leave you breathless. The meticulously detailed walls and sculptures are beautifully lit and are the perfect place to take plenty of photos. 
Every Sunday, you can enjoy a traditional Episcopalian traditional service with hymns, prayers and a sermon, and of course, coffee after. Leaving from here, you can easily make your way to the infamous Trevi Fountain, because of course, you are in Italy, it is the one thing that you really must do at least once. Here, our Fab Four ladies take a remarkable selfie, with the fountains cascading in the background. Trust me, your socials will explode. The Piazza della Rotonda is home to the Pantheon and full of bustling bars, historical cafes, and alfresco dining with stunning views you soon will not forget. One final epic photo for your trip is the Spanish Steps located at the Piazza di Spagna. A selfie from the very base of the steps angling up will ensure that the Trinita de Monte Church at the top will be just peeking into your picture. From here, you can make sure that at sunrise or sunset, get those sun rays in. There's also plenty of architecture around to keep you busy for most of the day. If you're wanting to travel to Tuscany, the wedding in the film takes place at the stunning Hotel Castello, set inside a historic and fully restored castle. Each room offers carefully curated antique furniture with wooden floorboards and marble bathrooms. The hotel offers a mix of classic rooms, refined deluxe room, magnificent suites alongside family rooms with two bedrooms and two bathrooms. The hotel also offers destination weddings, private events, and meeting room spaces with a semi-Olympic-sized swimming pool set amongst the lush Italian gardens. Don't worry, Jane Fonda checked, there's definitely a bar at the pool. You can enjoy this in Italy's summer season from May to September. Now, while The Book Club, the next chapter, may not be the best film in relation to story or pacing, or character development. It is, however, a fabulous advertisement for Italy. It features some iconic food that's filmed beautifully, as well as historic hotels and landmarks that will make you want to rush home and jump on the next plane to Rome. For all of these fabulous locations and the rest featured in the film, you can check out our blog post over at TravelWritersRadio.com. The book club, the next chapter, is in cinemas right now. Oh, yes, look we at still us. got it. I'm delighted that you'll be joining us tonight. There's no problem if four random women show up. This is Italy. There's always room for random, beautiful women. Gianni! Who is Gianni? What are you doing here? This is my cooking school. Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm here to start the animal's bush. I think somebody's bush is already oh. quite amused. It's too bridal. It's not bridal enough. Gorgeous. Someone else next. Don't move. What are you doing? That would be me. We're best friends for 50 years. And you? Married. Marriage. My solo act is finally coming to a close. You're the bravest person I know. The only question is how will we mess this all up? I can't wait to find out.
Is it too soon to talk about who we're gonna eat first? I think we all know. Hey. How does a woman in her 70s end up getting married? She takes control of her own destiny. This is a bachelorette party. You know what that means? We go see naked men. What's the protocol here? Where do I stuff the dollar bills? That was Alistair Leith about how you can follow in the footsteps of Jane Fonda around Italy. You're listening to Travel Writers Radio Podcast. And that brings to a close the Travel Writers Radio podcast. For more stories, click to subscribe to our podcast on our website, travelwritersradio.com. I'm Kirsty Bedford. And I'm Belinda Jackson. Thanks for listening. See you next time.